Samuel Poulant, Nathan Legere, and other draft picks will be part of development camp that opens this weekend in Cranberry. But it's a non-draft pick who really should be rising above. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Saturday is the day that development camp opens. It's a four-day thing, and it culminates with the scrimmage, the big annual scrimmage. By the way, if you're a hockey fan, these things are gold, these scrimmages. That's next Tuesday. And development camp, by the way, is open to the public. It'll be the first time the Penguins have had anything open up at the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex since the onset of the pandemic. So that in and of itself is pretty neat. And when you're there, you're going to see one player who stands out. And I mean that in the literal sense. It's Drew O'Connor. He's the biggest young player the Penguins have. 6'3", 200 pounds. He's 23 years old. He can move. He can score. He can do a lot of things. And you know what? This is the time to do those things. I'm at least a little bit surprised that O'Connor was included in this particular camp, considering that he spent 10 games in the NHL with the Penguins last season. Unlike almost everyone else who's part of this 24-man group, and he easily could have been given the same kind of treatment that he was at the last actual training camp when he was part of the regular group, the NHL guys, Sid and Gino and everybody, while all of the the B-type guys were practicing on the other rink. He was kept out there with all the most familiar faces. Now, to some extent, that might have been part of the agreement with O'Connor when he signed as a college free agent. For anybody who doesn't know how that stuff works, if you haven't been drafted and you're a college guy, you're free to sign with any team, but it's always for the same dollar amount. So you're looking for opportunity and fit as opposed to, hey, somebody pay me more. So O'Connor chose the Penguins, which was theoretically a pretty smart move on his part, considering they've got nothing youth-wise, or very, very close to nothing. So he could have seen, and his agent and his family could have seen a situation where, hey, if he comes in and does well, it's not like he's going to be blocked by anybody. So O'Connor has his NHL debut And, I mean, he didn't look out of place. If you can't remember a single thing that O'Connor did in his 10 NHL games with Pittsburgh, you're not to be blamed for that. He wasn't all that visible. But, again, he also didn't look lost. He was just kind of there. His stats were zero goals and one assist. But what's interesting here is that once he started getting sent back, well, not sent back, 
but sent to the AHL, because remember, this was his first taste of professional hockey of any kind, at least in North America. Once he was in Wilkes-Barre, he played 20 games down there, had seven goals and 12 assists. He ended up being that team's third leading scorer while playing a little more than half the AHL season. So he really was a hit down there. So it's there. He, he has this capability. The question is, what will it take to have that translate to the NHL once he gets a full ride? And of course, the other question is, when? When will it happen? This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. And they, in turn, need your help. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how $1 from you can be turned into five full meals for those in need. pittsburghfoodbank.org We talk about the Penguins needing size and speed and skill and youth. Well, here, it's all wrapped up in one bundle there. O'Connor is seen as a power forward type. Now, you'll often see, too often see, a player get described as a power forward or having power forward potential just based on their size. And that really shouldn't be the criteria. There's got to be a style. There's still got to be that ability to uh, not just go to the front of the net, but find ways out of the corner to get the puck to the net by using your frame, by being able to muscle guys off. That's what a power forward is in the modern NHL, way more than uh, the old days where it was like a John LeClaire or Tim Kerr or Paul Gardner type that would just basically plant themselves in the crease and dare someone to move them. A power forward is now someone who has to have that mobility as well. O'Connor has this toolkit. He does. And if I'm guessing, and that's all we can do right now in advance of the camp, there hasn't been uh, media uh, availability of any kind with the people who are running it, I would think that the reason for O'Connor being involved in this is they want to see him own it. They want to see him dominate it. Sure, the extra attention and the extra uh, instruction will help him. He arrived in the NHL in a strange circumstance amid the pandemic, not being able to have all kinds of specialized work done with him. So this is a benefit in that sense. But again, also, let's see what he can do. Let's see him build up some of that confidence and continue to progress the way he did when he was sent back to Wilkes-Barre. You could talk about the Penguins' potential forwards for the coming season for a week straight with a diehard hockey fan, and Drew O'Connor's name is never going to come up. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. It should. This is a player of significant pedigree. This is a player that a lot of teams wanted coming out of college, and the Penguins were fortunate to get him. If he ends up going back to Wilkes-Barre, it won't be the end of the world. In fact, it's the likely outcome. 
but it can't be ruled out when you look at this roster and, again, what this organization's needs are in Pittsburgh that he could do something to really, really make a strong impression that even if he doesn't make the team right away, he'll be one of the guys, if not the first guy, who gets called up and spends a significant amount of time in the NHL. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question, and that's always brought to you on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over two hundred bucks. Fubo TV is just sixty-five bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT and T, Sportsnet, and right now Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and fifteen percent off your first month. Just visit fubotv.com/dk. Again, that's a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month at FuboTV.com slash DK. RJ1Q comes from John, who says, Ron Hexel and Brian Burke have been in Pittsburgh for about seven months. Can you provide some examples of changes you have noticed besides just roster additions and subtractions? This one's tough, John, and the reason for that, and I hate to keep sounding like I'm hiding behind uh, the pandemic and access issues as an excuse for not being able to answer this question or that question, but I also try to just be honest with you. Uh, Whenever access is normal, whenever we're in locker rooms, whenever we're around people, able to talk to them in person, formally, informally, whatever it is, you just know so, so, so much more. As it is, between Hextall and Burke, other than seeing them, you know, walk through the rink from about 90 to 100 feet away behind multiple panes of glass, there's not really any kind of personal interaction Zoom calls certainly aren't that. And that's one of about a billion reasons that I'm really looking forward, not just to this development camp, but the training camp, to the regular season and everything else, because the NHL is apparently set to lead the way when it comes to reopening rooms, according to the Professional Hockey Writers Association. And they've let us know this here at DK Pittsburgh Sports. The rooms are going to be open. Got to wear masks, got to do all the usual stuff to follow safety guidelines and so forth. But we're supposed to be in the room. And just being in the proximity and watching different people interact with each other. And yes, that includes the GM and the president of hockey operations. That alone will be a first. I mentioned Drew O'Connor showing up. In the middle of a pandemic. So did these two guys. So did these two guys. If you're asking me my opinion for whatever it's worth from the distance we've had to maintain, my feel is that both Hextall and Burke have tried very hard and consciously so to maintain just the Penguins culture as we've known it. 
Remember that when Jim Rutherford came in, he didn't change any of that. You know, the culture really emanates from Mario Lemieux. The family environment, the caring about each other, all of that. That comes from 66. It always has. That's the spirit of the franchise. Jim came in and was the GM, just like Ray Shiro was the GM. And Ron Hextall and, and, and Brian Burke have spoken all of the same things. You'll remember the, the hilarious quote from Burke whenever Jeff Carter was acquired about how we're not going to beg anybody to come here. We're the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's kind of the attitude. They, they believe in what's been achieved here, what the mindset is here, and they've embraced it. So I, I don't think, if that's what you're asking, if they've tried to kind of put their stamp on things, from this distance, I, I haven't detected anything like that. But yet again, I am really looking forward to having more opportunities to find out uh, everything that I can about all of these people. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do another one tomorrow.